Good morning. Terry and Kim are traveling. They're on a out-of-town uh, wedding. Uh, they send their they send their love. Terry asked me to fill in for him this morning, and we're going to be going through a, a section of the Gospel of uh, John, uh, chapter eight. Can you believe? As uh, Charlie mentioned, it's going to be the 4th of July in just a few days, but it's actually the 247th anniversary of the initial uh, 4th of July. And um, there's a lot we could be thankful for and celebrate um, on that day. You know, the things that our founding fathers did and the great sacrifice that they they did, but it seems like we're, as a nation, we're starting to show our age, and with all of the division and the the hatred, you know, towards one another. And I, I think from looking at it and then looking at the scripture that we're we're gonna we're gonna be reading, that it's really the lie going against the truth. And, and I'll, I'll explain that uh, more sh- uh, in, in a few minutes. But before we begin, why, why don't we uh, pray for our nation? Father, thank you so much for America, our nation, our country, our people. Thank you for our founding fathers and the brave men and women before us who sacrificed so much for our freedom. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom to gather and study your word, freedom to travel, freedom of speech, freedom to choose where we live and work and enjoy life. Father, forgive us for not hearing and following your word. O Lord, revive our land. Revive us again with your word and with your truth. We failed so many ways, and we failed for taking freedom for granted. Please restore us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we're we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. If you're using one of the Bibles under the seat, please turn to page 1,231. And let me give you the setting as you're turning there. Let me give you the setting for this uh, event. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He just spent the night on the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he's going back into the temple. As he's going into the temple, people, people are gathering around him, and he begins to teach them. In the crowd are the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, and they are ridiculing him and mocking him, and every chance they get, they're heckling him. Some of the things that happen in this chapter is they say, your witness is not true. Who are you? You're a Samaritan. You're a devil. You're born in for- out of fornication. And all that happens in this chapter. Now, I don't see the tone of Jesus 
like being um, angry at them as much as he was just speaking truth, but they were vicious towards him. So this gets us to our reading and starting in verse 31. I'm going to go from 31 all the way to verse 47. And before I do, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Father, please allow your word to speak clearly into our hearts and our lives. May we hear from you. May we see you. May we understand your word and may we know how to follow your truth. Please sanctify us now in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in verse 31, Jesus says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and come from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your Father, the devil, and the desire of your Father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. In this section, and you might not have picked it up, and maybe you have, there's a conflict going on between the lie and the truth. And let's start by looking at what, what Jesus calls your father. 
And, and we've come from reading this. He's the father of lies. In verse 38, Jesus says, your father. In verse 41, he says, your father. And then several times in verse 44, he says, your father. Talking to the Pharisees. So let's look at who their father is. And in verse 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. In the NIV, I I like it where it says he's the father of lies. And the NLT says the same thing. He's the father of lies. So who was their father? The devil, the evil one, Satan, Lucifer, prince of peace, the beast, the thief, or as Jesus refers here, the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in truth. There's no truth in him. He is a liar, and not only is he a liar, he's the father of lies. And and notice it says, from the beginning. He was in the Garden of Eden, tricking Eve, deceiving Eve, basically twisting the truth. Has God said you shouldn't eat from any of the tree in the garden? Now, let's look at what Jesus said is my father, or our father, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We looked at their father, let's look at our father. Once Philip asked Jesus, show us the father and it will suffice for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you ask me to see the father? If you have seen me, you've seen the father. Let's look closely at Jesus in the word so we can see the Father. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Was God the Father? In verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, And the word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's so important in verse 31 where it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide, which means continue, in my word, which is his teachings or his speech, You are my disciple indeed, and you shall know truth, and the truth shall set you free. So let's look at this connection here. God's word reflects Jesus. Jesus reflects God the Father. God the Father reflects the word. The word reflects all truth and reflects Jesus and God. Other verses in the Bible connect God the Father to the word and the word being truth. I'm going to go through these fast. You you can look them up later. But in Psalm 18, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. 
The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. In Psalm 33, it says, The word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. In Psalm 12, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in a furnace on earth, purified seven times. In Psalm 119, it says this, The entirety of your word is truth. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. When Jesus was praying for his disciples the night before he was going to be crucified, Jesus said, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. In verse 38, Jesus said, I speak what I have seen with my father. What did he see? Only truth. In verse 40, Jesus said, A man, referring to himself, who told you the truth which I heard from God. In verse 45 and verse 46, he says, I tell the truth. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Jesus told him, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus couldn't have said it any clearer when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. So we saw their father. We saw our father, if you're a believer. But now let's see the work of the father of lies. In verse 41, it says, you do the deeds of your father. People who follow the lie do the same deeds as their father. It said he was a murderer from the beginning. And four times in this section of this chapter, they wanted to kill him. In verse 20, nobody laid hands on him, but they wanted to. In verses 37 and 40, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, you seek to kill me. And by the end of the chapter, in verse Uh, 59, they picked up stones to kill him, but he left through their midst. Jesus said, the thief, referring to the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And his children do the deeds or do the work of their father. In verse 42, it said, if you were, if, if, if God were your father, you would love me. So they had no love for Jesus. So the deeds of their father, the deeds of the lie, have no love for Jesus. Like their father, the devil, the religious leaders had 
nothing, that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The word of God, the scripture, is full of truth, but the religious leaders had no place for truth in their life. In verse 37, it says, My word has no place in you. Therefore, in verse 43, you do not understand my speech. Why? Because they didn't have any time for it. And in verse 47 of that same uh, chapter, it says, you, you do not hear because you are not of God. One time when Jesus was talking with the disciples in, in chapter 5 of the same gospel, Jesus told them, you search the scripture because in them you think you have eternal life. But they testify of me. But they were missing the point. Let's see, though, how well the deeds of the father of lies is doing. And, and I, I, I'm going to say they're doing very well. There's the father of lies in uh, a survey done by Pew Research Center, July of 2019, it's reported that 64% of Americans admit they have trouble distinguishing between truth and lies when listening to elected officials, media, cable, television, and social media. Research done by another thing, research done by three scholars from MIT in March of 2018 found that false news spreads more rapidly than real news does, and by a substantial margin. They found that falsehood spreads significantly farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than truth. But this isn't new. Going back almost 80 years, in the time frame of, of 1933 to 1945, Hitler's minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, said, a lie told once remains a lie. A lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. He also said, if you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it. And you will even come to believe it yourself. What does God's word say about lies? In Proverbs chapter 6, it lists seven things that the Lord hates. And two of them on that list of seven are lying. The Lord hates a lying tongue. The Lord hates a false witness who speaks lies. And the one who sows discord among brethren. Proverbs also says that a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks a lie will not escape. So we looked at the work of the, the father of lies. Now let's look at the blessings of our father. There's no work involved, just blessings. The blessings of, of my father. In verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, 
You are my disciple indeed. You shall know the truth, God's truth, and the truth shall make you free. In verse 47 of that chapter, it says, He who is of God hears God's word. And in verse 51, and this is a good one, Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So here's the blessings of our Father. We become his disciples. We know truth. The truth's going to make us free. We're able to hear God's word. And then the icing on the top is, and we'll never see death. Now, though, let's look at the bondage of the father of lies. Following the lie leads to bondage. Jesus said in verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And that word, or commits right there, is a constant, repeated action in sin. It becomes your master. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Now, why a, a slave doesn't abide forever? Because it can be sold, it could have its time up, and it could be traded. But a son is a son forever. But the lies that the enemies hold us to in bondage are different for all of us here. It could be he's whispering in your ears, you're not good enough. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough fame. And your, your status is no good. You need more possessions. I, I, I remember one time several years ago when I was um, at at a shopping center, a mall area, with my uh, wife, and she was shopping, and I was sitting down. I had a little uh, Gideon Bible, and I was just sitting there reading it while I was waiting for her. And 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 I looked up, and I just saw everybody was, like, looking for something. Everyone was like, like going from one store to the other. And it was around the Christmas time. I left that out. So there was like so many people there. And then it came to me. And I, I think this was a, a personal message to God, to me, that they were searching for happiness. They thought whatever they were going to buy was going to give them some type of, of happiness, some type of fulfillment. It's a lie. It's the lie of the enemy. No education, all the highest degrees, all the money, all the fame, all the possession is not going to give you happiness. It's not going to. It's bondage. Following the lie also leads to death. We see that they wanted to kill Jesus, but we can even go back to the Garden of Eden where Satan lied to Eve and it caused her spiritual death because they they Adam and Eve both believed him spiritual spiritually died but then we see the physical death 
that Satan caused when he lied to Cain and Cain killed his brother. So following the lie leads to bondage, it leads to death, but it also leads to confusion. Following the lie affects our understanding of the real world. Today's scientists and great thinkers who sound like so intelligent, have so many degrees, have this brilliant vocabulary, are so wrong about so many things. Remember, great scientists of the past, great thinkers, also once thought that the world was flat. But scripture clearly said it is he, referring to God, who sits above the circle of the earth. And that's in Isaiah chapter 40. Consequently, because they reject God's word, they get deceived. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and you can reference these later. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For as it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are fruitful or worthless. In Romans 1, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and of righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In Romans 1, again, it says, Who exchange the truth of God for a lie. And this is probably the worst one. In 2 Thessalonians, second chapter says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason... God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the consequence right there. You reject the truth, you suppress the truth, you end up forfeiting the truth. Please know that this Bible is a love letter from God to a fallen world. And the Bible is full of truth. In Ephesians, it says, speak the truth in love. So what I'm about to say, I want to speak in love. But it's hard because these intellects have distorted and told so many lies to the world that are contrary to God's word. And because of their lies, they're leading many astray. And this happened in part because they suppressed the truth, 
reject the truth, and exchange the truth for a lie. So what, what is the correct view of the origin of man? It's not evolution, even though that's being jammed down our throats. The Bible says God created the heaven and the earth. What's the correct view of marriage? It's not by our fleshly desires. It says a man should leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. What's the correct view of abortion? It's not a basic woman's right to terminate a pregnancy. But as the Bible says, for God, for you, referring to God, formed my inner parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. What's the correct view of gender? It's not what I'm feeling that day. I looked on a website. It listed 81 different genders. But the Bible says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. There's no confusion there. No confusion in God's word. What's the real meaning of a rainbow? It's not pride. The real meaning of a rainbow is God sending a promise that he'll never destroy the earth again with a flood. So when we see a rainbow, we should think of God, his greatness, his mercy, his compassion for a fallen world. We looked at the bondage of the father of lies. Now look, let's look at the freedom of the father of truth. Freedom from sin. In verse 34, it said, Most assuredly, I said to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But in verse 36, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. David Gusick, a Bible commentator, said, The freedom Jesus spoke of doesn't come from just an academic pursuit of truth in general, but from abiding in his word and being his disciple. There's nothing like the freedom we can have in Jesus No money can buy it, no status can obtain it, no work can earn it, and nothing can match it. It's tragic that not every Christian experiences this freedom, which can never be found except by abiding in God's word and and being Jesus' disciple. Other freedom is found in his truth. So you have freedom from sin, but then you have the freedom of God's word in believing his promises. In the movie that many of you might have just seen, uh, Jesus Revolution, there's a scene where Chuck and, and Chuck and Kay Smith are kind of cuddling up on the couch and Chuck is just pondering everything that's going on and he's telling her it's just complicated. And Kay says to him, truth is simple. Simple. 
Lies are complicated. And, and I, I love that line. Truth is simple. And you want to know what the Bible, the definition of truth in the Bible is? In, in the Old Testament, it's firmness, consistency, and duration. Firmness, consistency, and duration. In the New Testament, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, it says it's to unhide. It's to open. That's simple. I, I was looking up uh, different terms on, on, um, on truth, and there was a lot of them. And I'm going to go over just four of them right now. There's absolute truth, which you're all familiar with that. It's objective. It's, it's right or wrong. You ask a math teacher um, what objective truth is, two plus two equals four. You ask a locksmith, you know, how many keys will fit that door? The answer is one. That, that's objective truth. Absolute. It's narrow. It is narrow. There's only one answer. But then you get into some of these other ones that are just weird. Uh, consensus truth or normative truth. Now, consensus is that everybody's going to agree on something. Now, could you imagine right now if I said, okay, let's agree where we're going to go to lunch? You think that we could do that? I mean, I, I, I can't even get like three people in the car to agree on where we're going to go to lunch. How could the world sit down and actually have a consensus on truth? Truth is truth. It's not, it's not movable. And that brings us to the next one of subjective truth. Ofer Winfrey at the Golden Globe said, speak your truth. But your truth or my truth will not set you free. And then the last one, of the, there was a lot of them. This, this last one was complex truth. It recognizes the validity of all types of truth and allows the individual to focus on the type of truth that is most useful at any given time. That, I mean, like, what is that saying? It, what, when I was reading it, I, I was reminded of a, of a sergeant in the army and at the time, I, I, I didn't, well, it was the way he said it, it just was kind of like, man, just shut up already. But um, what, what he said was, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it um, walks like a duck, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? It, it's simple. It's not complex, Why are there so many assortments of truth? Because they're rejecting, suppressing, and exchanging the truth of God for a lie. In Hebrews it says, Jesus Christ, which we know is the word, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a few minutes, I'm going to invite everyone here to put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is truth. 
Jesus is and was and is to come. He said he's coming back, and guess what? He's coming. But the battle between truth and lies rages on. And it seems like we're losing really bad. Day after day, we're being bombarded with more lies and more lies. And the truth of God's word is being laughed at and ridiculed. And it seems like we just can't win. And I was thinking of that, even as I wrote it down, we can't win. And I was reminded of a, one of my favorite movies, a 1976 a classic, you know, Rocky. And Rocky didn't know that he couldn't win, and he was training so hard because he wanted to beat Apollo Creed. And the night before the fight, he couldn't sleep. So he gets up, goes down to the arena. He's walking around and just trying to get you know, a feel for how it's going to be. And the promoter happened to be there. And the promoter's like, hey, Rocky, what, what, like, what's going on? What are you doing? And Rocky just says to him, hey, the, my shorts or my, my boxer trunks are different. They're a different color. And the, the, the promoter looked at him and said, it really doesn't matter, Rocky. It's going to be a good fight. And it was like at that moment, Rocky realized he couldn't win. So he walked back to his apartment, and he's sitting there. And by that time, he wakes up, Adrian. And Adrian's like, what's the matter, Rocky? And, you know, I can't win. I can't win. And so she says to him, what are you going to do, Rocky? He goes, I want to go the distance. No one's ever gone the distance on Apollo Creed. I want to go the distance. Well, I'm telling you that people have gone the distance before us. So it might feel like we can't win, but there are a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews says, before us that have gone the distance. And you can make the distance. It doesn't matter like what's going on around you. We can go the distance knowing Jesus alone is truth. Jesus already won the victory on the cross. Truth is not an opinion. Jesus said, I am truth. Notice Jesus didn't say, religion is truth, tradition is truth, world leaders are truth, scientists are truth, university professors are truth. He didn't say, you're the truth. He didn't say, I'm the truth. Truth is one person. Truth is Jesus Christ. Adrian Rogers, a great preacher, said, Our world needs people and families who know the truth, believe the truth, love the truth, teach the truth, speak the truth, and share the truth. Here's some truth for you right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I've seen it broken down like this before. For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave the greatest act, 
his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest opportunity, believe the greatest simplicity, in him the greatest attraction, should not perish the greatest promise, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. The truth is, we all need a Savior, and God the Father provided Jesus Christ to be the Savior of the world. But more importantly, he sent Jesus to be my Savior and your Savior. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for those that are here, that are your disciples, and that they also can hear your word and they can follow your teachings. I pray blessings upon them. And and now, Father, I pray for those here that want you to be their father and they want to follow your truth and they want to be born again have a new spiritual life if that's you in the quietness of your heart I want you to repeat after me father Father of truth, I know I'm a sinner. I I know I have failed. I know I have followed the lie. And I ask you and you alone for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for my sins and my failures. I trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Redeemer, my Lord. I ask you now to please come into my heart and help me to follow you all the days of my life. I ask you to help me to do this, and I I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.